garage with phonetic and brains. Long time, bruv. Long time. Yes, mate. We meet again. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been forever. <laughs> I honestly can't remember how long ago it was, but it was far too long ago. This is uh, Evil Episode 13. Yeah, well, it was cursed from, from before we even got going, really, wasn't it then? Number yeah. 13. Maybe that's why it's taken so long to get together. I apologise for my, my bad diary management, which has led to the, the sort of lapse in the usual full week well, interim period between the episodes. It's one of those things. There's all sorts of bugs going around and all, because, I mean, I was taken down yeah. with it. Like, my last radio show, I did the biggest clang I've done for, like, the last 10 years. And someone, someone legitimately said to me, have you got a new microphone? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I've just got a really bad cold. It was probably COVID, <laughs> um, but I tested negative. You know what? We haven't done the classic intro. This is The Brains, live from The Brains Cave. And I'm Phonetics uh, from Jazz Step FM headquarters. Up in, up in the studio. It's looking as fancy as ever, mate. Uh, fully, <laughs> fully loving it. Um, but yeah, so I was taken down with the illness. You, were, you was a little bit rough as well, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, had, I, had, I finally I managed to evade COVID for... The first couple of years, but it finally got me. Um, yeah, it was a weird one. So I've definitely been more ill with other things, but it was strange is the best way I could explain it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but I think that's the general consensus. The whole thing's just a bit fucking weird, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it was bait because I went to one of my first like parties, um, like a family party that I had, like where there was a shit ton of people there. Like, I hadn't been to one for years because of all of the lockdowns. And then the next day, the missus gets the ping. She gets to track and trace. You've been close um, exposure yeah. notification, basically. And then the next thing you know, she's getting ill. And she's like, oh, it's just a cold. And she was testing negative. And then, uh, anyway, what you say? It's always a cool story with COVID, <laughs> isn't it? I'm, I'm back. I'm sounding less uh, less Barry White and more Barry Shite. Um, but it's all good. It's all good. There's been so much music since we was laughing at. Like, so much music. Oh, there has, you know, if like if we'd done an episode a few weeks back, then I had my list nicely rounded down to 10 and then texted you last night, didn't I, saying, look, I can't do 10 this month. There's just been too much stuff. So we've got an even 15 each, haven't we, instead? Um, but yeah, plenty there. And even that, even that getting it down to 15, I must have been, I struggled. I was sitting here with my list swapping bits in and out. So apologies though, to those deserving people who've been left off because there, there are plenty. I had to leave. Can. I had to leave out a load of bootlegs because I know you're all like, oh, if their bootlegs are for SoundCloud, I can't get them on. Um, I can't get them on Spotify for our fantastic Spotify playlist. If you haven't listened to that, that's uh, in the <laughs> nice ukgarage.com forward slash recommends. You know, I'm practicing, mate. I'm practicing. Nicely done. <laughs> um, but yeah, so literally, it was a phenomenal freebie EP uh, from MKJ, um, and he done this bootleg on there of a. Um, of a deep house tune, or it's like yeah, it's like a it's like a deep house kind of tune, uh, and then it's it's used between the sheets, um, Isley Brothers in in the background of it. It's a four four tune. It's bad boy. It's so good. He's um, doing some things at the minute, MKJ, isn't he? Like everything I'm hearing, I'm, I'm is is pleasantly impressing me each time. Like he's got a good vibe. Definitely. Completely. Well, look, say, like you said, we've got a shit ton of music to talk about since the last episode. So should we just jump into our first pick? Would you like to introduce it? I would indeed. The first pick is available now on Banana Club. It's a cracker called Criminal Riff and it's by Raids and FM3. Money, 
Oh, mate. It was one of those ones as well that, like, and I apologise if I'm wrong in saying so, but I haven't seen anything from Banana Club before. So it was one of those ones that I, I was on Juno and I was just perusing and clicked it by chance, not expecting anything of it. And that jumped out. And they got that kind of catchy little riff at the start. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I like this. I like this. And then the bass kicked in the drop. And I was like, oh, nice. Just an all round pleasant surprise to get. Um, and yeah, went straight into my sets. Been repping that on Trickstar, and yeah, had to get had to get discussed. I feel now it's wicked. Um, Banana Club's uh, got loads of wicked Spanish breaks. Um, I've had. I'm trying to think. Pavane has got a few bits on there that's been that's ah, been doing things. Have they been? Because uh, I've I picked. I, I apologise. Then I, I'm obviously late to the party on Banana Club. But, uh, Pavane, I've, I've definitely picked up a few bits by recently. He's been doing some cool stuff and quite a varied uh, sort of set, cross section of UKG as well. Do you know what I mean? He's quite um, stylistically kind of bounces around. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't pick up. On I, I'm pretty there, sure so. all the usual Spanish sus- uh, suspects are on there. So you've got raids FM three on this one, right? Then there's Pavane. I'm sure Bowser has been on it. Um, I d- not, I don't know how many of the 80, 80, 83 gangs in there, but it's there's the, the the main kind of labels. This is one of them, along with Gal Chinchi is doing massive things at the moment, and then obviously eighty three is just up there. But just all of them Spanish guys are smashing it. Um, I was excited to have this one in the lineup because I wanted to, I had it in the the kind of the best of the rest, and it was to describe it as something like, um, you know, do you like? Um, public Enemy, Spanish Breaks, <laughs> Spanish Guitar, <laughs> and uh, and the Heavy Bassline, then this one is for you. Like It's a weird yeah. cross-section mashup of vibes. Um, That's a great little summary right there. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head. And it's really slickly done as well, because like, you, you say those those kind of elements um, on paper don't look like they're going to go together very well, but actually then when you when you get someone as skilled as those two who put it together, and it, it, it bangs, doesn't it? It's, it's wicked. I'd, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing that drop in a club. Yeah, I mean, Raids yeah. is... is, uh, is so, I mean, I love the stuff that FM3 does, but, uh, but I see him mainly co- collab, whereas like, Raids obviously puts out loads of stuff on his own. He's, he's wicked. So much talent there. Um, say Spain does it again, and we, we, we gush over Spain so much. We do without fail, don't we? I think it's the only—is it—it's the only representative of Spain we've got in the list today. Oh no, tell a lie. We might have some others. I think we've got some others further down in the best of the rest section. Yeah, yeah no, no. Was it UKG Capital? You, you always say. <laughs> was it? Oh, it was. Country it was. It was UK or... UK Garage Country of the Year. It was 2020, wasn't it? I don't know. It was a long time ago. We we changed out the awards last year. Should we move on to my <laughs> next pick? Let's do it. So. Um, my next pick is uh, with a, a dynamic female duo in UK Garage. Uh, on this one, we've got Shosh and Kelsey with a tune called End Love.
to get closer to me Everything you say might as well go through me Yeah, yeah, I get it And in 10 minutes I'll probably forget it I don't want to hear say I think we've got all the elements in there that I want to talk about um, I'm sure this was probably a surprising pick um, in terms of what you've seen me no- normally pick. I love my uh, wonky ones. I love my bass heavy ones. This could easily be dismissed as, you know, money for old rope, rehashed old school UK garage, just trying to do 98 all over again. And, uh, you know, I, I I listened to it and I thought I was going to be allergic to it before I'd even press play. Um, <laughs> and I listened to it and, and, I lo- and I loved it. And I think, you know, the... The instrumental is, it's got kind of that sunship, old school sunship vibe, right? Um, it, it's cleanly uh, mixed and mastered to sound kind of banging, like the levels are hitting on it. But I think the, the vocal doubly makes it. Like it, the main thing I love about this tune is is the vocal. Um, like Kelsey's vocals are wicked. Um, I love the different styles of singing that she's got on it. It's all very modern. Um, and I think her, her voice is amazing, uh, and and it, and, oh, and it's just a real. It's just a, it, it was making me feel good just listening to it, and and that's why I picked it, Rob. Anytime I see a Kelsey feature, it's always exciting because I've been a massive fan of her for a long, long time. I remember she used to upload um, like videos to YouTube, didn't she? Of her like singing in front of her computer. She'd pick out like topical hits, and then she'd obviously write her own songs and, and sing those. And I contacted her back then, and we're going back like. I don't know, like 12, 13 years ago, I remember sending her an email being like, oh, you've got a voice, like, let's, let's work on something. Never happened, as, you know, as sometimes just pans out, but it's, it's always a pleasure to uh, hear her doing things. She did some stuff with some of the grime guys as well, which I quite enjoyed um, in years gone by. So, yeah, and she delivers, do you know what I mean? She's, she's got a knack for writing catchy little hooks and, and um, the vocal. The vocal range, I don't feel, uh, she doesn't show off a massive range in this track, so it's not a good... Uh, example of that necessarily but like she's got quite a big range and she 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 really does that flawlessly you're right in saying i was surprised to see it shortlisted because when i looked at the at the paper and saw you'd written it down i was like oh you know it just because i'm not because there's anything wrong with the track just because this is you someone who's known for kind of wobbly wonky bass lengers and stuff and i was like oh i didn't i didn't i didn't envisage you you picking that one but um, as you say, it's nicely done. It's it's, it's quite slick. It's uh, it's on CR2 as well, right? Which is a pretty good label to to be releasing on. Um, I don't know what kind of damage it's done in terms of sales, but I could definitely hear that smashing up daytime radio. I, I don't I don't really listen to radio much, if I'm honest, these days. I, I never seem to find time for it. But I would imagine Kiss is playing that in the day. Um, You're asking the wrong guy, mate. Asking the wrong not, guy. And if they're not, they shouldn't. If if they're not, they should be, because uh, you know they definitely play. <laughs> other stuff which isn't on you know isn't isn't as, as tasty so um yeah props to shosh and kelsey for you know like you say it's not really it's not covering any new ground by any means but what it is doing it's it's doing nicely um is it something i'd play in my sets it probably doesn't fit with kind of my little niche that i push um that's not to say there's anything wrong with it it's just you know garage is a big umbrella and i, and I kind of tend to go down at that, that kind of jazzy route obviously um but I can I can see that there will be a lot of people that will be all over this, and definitely it's one of those ones you can see going off, sort of outside of garage raves potentially as well. If you dropped it in your local Yates or O'Neills, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> it's going to appeal to that kind of wider cross section that likes a good kind of catchy vocal as opposed to um, other elements of garage. I feel like there's a lot of do you know you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of garage that's being made that wouldn't necessarily cross over so well, but like you get something like this, like you say, it's got Sunship written all over it, hasn't it? And and the reason that Sunship was the go-to remixer for the majors for so many years was because he kind of had that 
that little that little recipe dialed, didn't they? Um, and I think Shosh has done quite a good job of. I don't want to say emulating it. It sounds like it sounds like you're no, because 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 modern it. sunship. I, I don't. Um, I, I'm not generally been going for recently. You know, I've got a lot of respect for him. Um, but his new stuff ain't really been hitting for me. This is kind of well, like he's, he's kind of. Moved. He's kind of moved away from garage a bit, isn't he, Sonship? Like, I, I, I know I keep shortlisting every time we have like a list of discussion topics for gassing. I want to talk about Sonship's jazz, and you always go, "We can't talk about that because I haven't fucking listened to it." <laughs> he's doing more of that kind of like down tempo and jazz stuff. He's doing wicked. Like, if you haven't checked out the Kerry Evans Spotify page, go and check it out because it's fucking like it's legitimately decent, like solid jazz that that stands up against a lot of the stuff from the jazz greats, in my humble opinion. Um, but yeah, he, obviously he's doing less in the garage realm. Uh, I've noticed that actually there's, there's been a tendency in general with, with a few of the older bods that have been present throughout Garage's history in recent years have kind of faded away. Because like MJ, MJ's not been doing a massive amount. He obviously did the, the Navos remix last year, which was massive. Um, and he put out the EP, the one that had that Strings for Jody on it. Uh, but in general terms, his, his output hasn't reduced, but he's been doing less Garage, hasn't he? He's you, just you done um, a Garage sample pack is the last thing I've seen him do. Like literally has, this week, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I saw that. That's, uh, that's a splice thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw. I saw. The, I think I got a like um, advert pop on up on Insta or something. Yeah, caught caught my eye. I haven't checked it out yet, but I dare say it will be excellent. I, I shall have a little look at that when it's I get. It's got um, Laura Vane vocals on it as well. For uh, yes, yeah. yes, I follow Laura on on the socials actually because she she does she does some really interesting stuff and she 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 does some quite interesting social posts actually if you don't follow her. Um, she kind of she's one of those people who kind of pours her heart out a bit on social media, so that's always interesting to see what she's going to say. But obviously, she stays busy in music. But I think we all kind of remember her from the bad boy, prolific days, and assumed that she was going to be a sort of mainstay in garage. But obviously, she she you know moved on to to other things. And, and good luck to her. Uh, wicked vocalist, though. I've got all the time in the world for her. Indeed. Anyway, final verdict on N Love from Robbie Phonetics is needs more trumpets. There you go, Shosh. <laughs> Should we move on to I our next pick? Fair, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> next one, next one was uh, was a no-brainer for me. I actually had this as my number one originally, and then Criminal Rift picked it to the post right at the last minute there. But uh, it's uh, just a sublime production available on South Point uh, by Clark, with an interesting spelling, um, <laughs> and the name of the track is Touch. <laughs>
bumpy business. Oh, it's a wicked track. There's so many things I could say about it as well. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's really slickly done. And I think what stands out to me is, is its real strength is, is in the arrangement and the way it builds. And then it, you know, it, it kind of builds to a point where you think it's going to drop and then it kind of drops into that little breakdown with the pads and then it kicks in. It's just so nicely done. It's a really creative way of doing it and, and quite, quite fun to mix with. Um, as well, and I must apologise to Clark if I'm if I'm late to the party. But this this was the first thing I've heard of his, um, and the, the the production levels on it blew me away because like the mix down is so clean, everything's got its space. Uh, the sound design is wicked. I love what he's done, like in terms of chopping the vocal like that. Uh, I love that bouncy bass. You know, I love those kind of bouncy four four things when they drop. It it takes me back to the lost years, and and he's pulled really, a lot of my favourite elements of Garage together. Um, and come up with a really nice, nice tune. Um, and I apologise to him because I, I know I, um, I played it on my show and I, and I misspelled his name uh, when I tracklisted it. That was why I made the comment about the interesting spelling on his name because it's C L R C L A R C Q, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think I must have written it down three or four times wrong before I looked at the, the, the artwork and went, oh shit, <laughs> I really ought to remember the cue, otherwise it's just not going to go anywhere. People are going to be clicking on the wrong profiles and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, South Point, doing it again, they're, they're a, a very, I feel, underappreciated Label, you know, you talk about your, your big labels in Garage, and like there are ones that spring to mind, like Garage Shed and Night Base and Kiwi, right? South Point, uh, without fail, deliver the goods. I feel like they deserve more of a nod than they arguably get because they, they've got some really strong tracks and artists on their roster, and this is a good example of that. Oh, no, I know, like I've supported South Point for uh, as long as I've known about them, and they like they have the whole South Point Presents series where they bring through new artists found some amazing artists that's probably where i found clark first to be honest um and uh, i mean they kind of surf though between kind of the darker almost like grime and dubstepy side right as well as solid ukg so there's it, it, yeah the, the the mix means that it's not always on the radar um but yeah south point's banging yeah, but yeah. i mean yeah clark the minute i heard my first clark tune i knew there was talent and high quality for sure like like you, everything you said about the way that it's been put together and mixed down completely on point this was not my favorite clark tune since our last show um please oh, no. please tell you've me got, you've listened to that have you have you listened to do it to me I have, but it's going to sound really bad me saying that I can't remember it. And I don't think that's an insult to the tune. I think it's just because I've listened to so much recently that it's been hard to cut. Even I've struggled to stay on top of it all. Mate, I mean, I... I we're going to get to that one anyway. Well, we? it's, it's, it's in my best <laughs> of the rest, but it is, a, it is yeah. such, such a well-done tune. Um, I wanted to make sure I mentioned it here because I would say, if I had to pick one of the two, I would have picked that. That's fine. Um, me and you have got different different vibes and tastes, right? So um, that's what that's horses why we do horses, this. mate. Indeed, indeed. Can I just interject and randomly apologise to anyone who's watching the YouTube feed who wonders why I keep looking down at my feet. I've actually acquired a puppy since the last episode and she's politely pulling on my headphones every time you press play and nearly pulling them out my ear. So if I'm looking down, it's because I'm fighting to get the wire out of them now. It's all fun and games. <laughs> well done. Anyway, well done. that's the next one, mate. <laughs> I'm loving the, uh, the diehard vibes you've got going on. Uh, shaved head, white, white uh, vest. It's good. Uh, do you know what? I hadn't even made the link there. I was thinking, you know, I watched WrestleMania last week and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin made his surprise return, didn't he? So that was the inspiration. Oh, watching sure. a bit of Broken Skull Session. Actually, yeah, did you, you didn't see that your fangirl you cosplaying. Become... No, that was when I was out at my um, my COVID party that I was talking about. I need a Austin 316 t-shirt. I don't know, I'm, you know, slacking. Yes. Slacking. Uh, I, I'm not going to say anything about wrestling fans because I have my door <laughs> beaten down by angry people. Should we move on to the next one? 
Absolutely, let's do it. Um, so I, I wanted to keep it diverse. So the next one is a, a bit of a, a more chilled out pick. This is by someone called Indigo Eyes, and it's featuring a vocalist called Blushco, and the track is entitled Feel It. full of surprises today aren't you it's like mr brains has just like calmed massively since the last episode or something <laughs> what's my last pick it's beautiful I'm just seeing whether that's gonna yeah don't worry the last pick i was gonna say you're gonna throw out. out a wild card with a, with a langer <laughs> uh, is it is, is blush care the vocalist then like, yeah 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 i believe so yeah that's a wicked that's a really nice vocal execution it's got like shades of like i was listening to bits of it and like the way the way the voice was going kind of had shades of Sam Smith in it, and then other bits of it kind of reminded me of Prince almost. Like, I, you wouldn't think you would put those two artists together, but if they had a love child, I'd like <laughs> think that would sound like that. Um, no, really, like, just lovely. That's really first time I'm hearing that. I must admit, I missed your last show. Um, I've just been off the radar a bit, but um, yeah, I'm assuming you played it in there. First time I'm hearing it, but I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I, really enjoyed that. I, I actually need to check because I think I, I'm just uh, doing a very unprofessional thing of double checking now, but I started. Um, my not my last show with it, so it must have been a show back in March. Um, yeah, it was back at the end of March. I'd started the show with it then. <laughs> it's been that long since we did an episode. Eh? Yeah, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> you just highlighting our, our inadequacies there. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just it's a real. It, it was. Um, the, the, say the vocals just it's real warm. Um, it's, yeah, it, it, and it just feels good, and then it's like the the kind of the ad libs on the keys there it, it, that we heard right at the end is really nice. The whole sound design is just really nice. Um, I just it, it it gave me good feelings again, and I just I I loved it because it was a modern take on the genre once again that still kind of hit all of the right places for me in terms of uh, the you know the sound levels and types that my ears really like. Um, I say, and and the vocal was really really appealing. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, I, I thought it was a great tune, and I always worry about these things because I should double check because obviously this is when I've found this tune. This tune could be well old, and I've only just heard it. I, I, I hope that's not the case. <laughs> Do you know? I mean, I know we try to to be up to date on that, and what kind of a podcast would we be if if, if we weren't? But equally, like 
I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if you flag something from a while back that people might have missed. Because there are, like, I mean, we've highlighted it many times, haven't we, the fact that there's so much music coming out. Mm. Downside to that is so much stuff is getting overlooked. And like, I, I guarantee it, like, I, I, had a, I had a short list of about 40 tracks to whittle down to my 15. And there will be someone there that probably a lot of people haven't heard that will end up going sort of under the radar. Do you know what I mean? It's a shame, but like, you know. It's just it's that's the unfortunate byproduct of loads of quality music, and you know it's a necessary evil when you're enjoying all the all the new stuff coming out. But no, I tell you what struck me about that track when you were playing it was um, it was kind of ironic because you always moan about tracks that are too musical from the get go. <laughs> um, you want a nice sixteen thirty two bar drum intro, and there you go picking something that starts with just keys. Ah, I almost called you right there and then and went stop. This one, but, um, <laughs> that's why. Yeah, that's why I had to start the show with it, mate, because there was no drums to mix with. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. All right. Let's. Um, uh, let's. I'll queue up your uh, your last pick if you'd should like get, to introduce it. We get a bit more mental now. Let's drop into our wild card bit because we're both pulling out some bass tear outs here, aren't we? <laughs> I've got. Uh, just uh, available on Crime Scene Chemistry, which is just the best name for a record label I've ever heard. This is a track called Dark Side by my old buddy John Bucchieri. Um, Somewhere far away in space and time. Staring upward at the gleaming stars in the obsidian sky. Marooned on a small island in an endless sea. Unable to escape. To escape, 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 escape. But tonight, on this small planet, That is a sea of samples right there, bruv. A sea of samples. It's dark. Dark, man. It's, it's wicked, isn't it? I, I, everything. I wanted to, you know, obviously there's a lot of speed garage around at the moment. I don't want to criticise anybody for jumping on the bandwagon because it just is, it is what it is. Um, but it was really nice, I felt, to be given the opportunity to pull something out by John uh, because he's a guy that's been there doing the speed garage. He's a speed, I said it on my Trickstar show the other week. He's a speed garage OG. That guy has been there like doing it since days and so no bandwagon jumping here this is authentic and i think that comes across when you listen to the track every element from the sound design of the bass patches even the reverb settings the time stretch everything sounds so perfectly speed garage if you want a blueprint for everybody to copy right now when they're making speed garage go check this guy out and like check his back catalog because you know we're going back to studio beat stays and, and and before that the guy's got a, an extensive list as long as both my arms of, of bangers i was he was always my go-to guy during those baseline days. Do you know what I mean? When everything went really lengy and grimy, there was people like John that had been there for years already that kind of stayed true to what they were doing. Um, and he was doing a kind of hybrid speed garage baseline thing back then, which really appealed to my palette. And that was what I modelled a lot of my kind of baseline productions. It was people like him um, and DJ Vetch and people like that and Buddha that were kind of really doing it for me. 
Um, and it's been a long time since I picked up anything new by John. I had some contact with him probably last year or the year before, but like we used to speak regularly. Um, I don't don't kind of catch up with him all that often these days. So it's just nice to kind of see his name pop up again, know that it's going to be sick, click on it and, and be blown away and go, yeah, this guy fucking gets it. Um, so yeah, just... I had to flag it. I felt it needed flagging. Yeah, it's, as soon as I heard that time stretch, that was the thing that just took me straight back to '95. I think like that was, it was so perfectly done how you do it in kind yeah. of the old school. Um, but obviously, it's it's um, engineered in a, in a very modern, uh, you know, 21st century way. Um, yeah, big bass and the, 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 like you got that sound on underneath. You can hear was taken straight out of. Um, professional widow he's got right at the bottom of the tune did you hear that or not yeah 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 i know what you're saying yeah um yeah and it's very it's very subtle it's very subtle isn't it but yeah, oh, I, I, I hear it heard it straight away i was like oh armor van helden there he is um <laughs> and then and then obviously he's used that same sample that pendulum used um for slam i wonder where that sample comes from i don't know where he's found it but he's obviously got more of it than what they used um, yeah. But I was just instantly taken. I was like, I thought it was going to be drum and bass for a start because I just suddenly got that same sample <laughs> that Pendulum Juice. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's a banger. I, I'm just like, Speed Garage is not 100% like my bag, you know. It's obviously in the same um, uh, genre. And poor old uh, Davey Donkdown, aka uh, Brock, uh, Runcall Massive, Big Up Your Chest, he um, he always sends me tunes. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's too Speed Garage like because it doesn't fit in with the sound that I play. Um, it doesn't mean I don't understand it as an art form, and this is done really, really well. Like it's a big, big old tune. Um, I'm sure it'll be rocking, rocking the walls of a Sheffield club um, at some time soon, if that's still a thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, nice pick, man. It was a nice, uh, a nice wild card to keep things savage at the end there. Um, yeah, we've had so much niceness already. We had to have something a little bit gritty, didn't we? Uh, they say you're going to bless us with something as well. Yeah, but it's weird. That, uh, it's weird to me you're into speed garage. Before I listened to Garage at all, like my brother used to be massively into happy hardcore. So my kind of early days listening to electronic and dance music was it was a lot of happy hardcore. And obviously Jungle kind of went hand in hand with that. Uh, my brother kind of fell out of love with it all because he didn't really enjoy Jungle. But I always liked those big sort of dutty warping bass lines and all the sub bass and the old, you know, reggae samples and stuff. Um, a, a lot of that translated really well into Speed Garage. So for me, it was like a, almost like a logical progression. And Armand Van Helden was definitely a massive, massive influence for me um, in the early days when I started producing. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah I, I know what you're saying, though. Like, if you, if you weigh up Jazz Step against that, that stuff, it's, uh, it's a bit out there. But, I mean, if you look at a lot of those early Robbie T productions, actually one of my tunes which has been selling the most recently, um, and I assume it's because Speed Garage is the buzzword and the new in thing that all the cool kids are, are getting back on board with. Loads of people have been buying Hard Love from me because um, it was a Speed Garage track that I did in, I want to say, 2006, 2007. And, obviously, it went under the radar because, like, it was... Too early for baseline, too late for speed garage. It didn't really slot in anywhere, particularly nice. Um, but now a lot of people are obviously going, oh, yeah, that I can play that. Um, was that on a vinyl I, release? Was yeah. that on a Riddler? Yeah. You're going to ask me which one. No, no, I just, I'm trying to remember if I've got it. I want to say Riddler 9. Yeah, it was Riddler 9, I think, because it was on the flip of, it was Mrs. Jones. It was on the flip of Mrs. Jones, ah. which was, it was quite an interesting release because, yeah, it had Mrs. Jones on one side and then that on the other. They, they couldn't have been more different, really, but... Um, yeah, there you go. Cool. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for the for the speed garage. Um, I say I've I've, I've got memories of uh, just because when I was at the at the end of school, as I was coming out of secondary school, it was all like uh, Ministry of Sound. The annual would have been Tori Amos, Spin Spin uh, Spin Spin Sugar, yeah. 
um, Sugar, Sugar Daddy O, all, all of them tunes, and then like One Eight Seven Lockdown Gunman. Like it was just it's, it was proper uh, as it was yeah. at, at its peak in its classic day. Exactly. I loved all of that. Just yeah. dating myself yeah. as being an old fuck. Anyway, so <laughs> the next one, it, it's a remix of a Sambinga and Redders tune. Sambinga and Redders have been putting out some wicked tunes on their Bandcamp. Um, I can't remember the name of the label they've 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 got, but it's. Um, yeah, you can get it all over the place. Uh, check out their stuff if you haven't. This is a remix of one of their things that they've put out. Uh, it's a track called Natural Mission, and Bakey is on the remix of this one. Give her the fountain. She know I want to leave, but she bouncing. That's a ticket I'm touting. When I'm in it, it's a loud tick. Just allow it. No point doubting. I got your ex man frowning. Probably drinking, drowning. Your mama want mountain. He legitimately had that as a lyric in that tune. My days. Um, ba- what can I say about Bakey? I mean, he's he's on this this group of artists that are doing this kind of LB vibe revival, you know, like loads of them go out on time is now. I think he's been out on time is now. Um, and he's, you know, he does it really, really well. That sound of just the, the classic modern spin on the early noughties bass. Um, he's just, yeah, he, I, I love a bit of Bakey and I, I love his execution in this tune. I love Redders. Um, you know the stuff that Redders does with Sam Binger's wicked, and I think Bakey's complimented his vocal on this really, really well. I just, I really enjoyed this one, and uh, and the bass is filth on it. The bass is nasty, and I was loving that little, um, the little brass stab in there that kind of breaks up the little bass. Now that's that's just nicely a nice sort of little element in there that was uh, giving me a smile. Yeah, nice, nice selection, man. I know you're always talking about Bakey. You're always putting me onto Bakey tracks as well, aren't you? And it's. Um, it's uh, it's nicely nicely put together, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I there's there's a lot of that kind of sort of breakier bass heavy stuff around, and and a lot of it. I know you've said you've mentioned before on here actually like a lot of it being not particularly memorable. Or you just kind of feel like it's a lot of it's just kind of rinse and LB. Uh, and I think that's fair to say, like with any kind of little niche subgenre, you're always going to kind of get the people that do it really well, and then maybe others that don't do it so well. Um, but that definitely is one of the ones that's standing out to me that I've heard recently as one that has been done particularly well. Um, enjoyed it. So yeah, I mean, genre's... And a nice, a nice flip from the... 
I was going to say a nice flip from the all the beautiful stuff we were listening to a moment ago. We've yeah. gone proper, properly dark. Got, got to put a, put a bit of filth on it for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, most subgenres are they emerge from like you know seminal track and or tracks, right? That like you know grime pretty much got split out from Dizzy's "I Love You" and Eskimo, right? What what, what Wiley did. Um, this kind of new L- Pulse X by the musical mob. Oh well, but that was a bit before it all started, right? Um, but it was in there. It helped it, I guess. I would always pinpoint that as the original one. Like if I had to pick out a track, that's always the one that stands out to me. Is the first one I heard. I went fucking hell, that's a bit different. Do you know what I mean? It was properly out there. It, it was it? definitely then... the first eight bar tune. I would say I'd, I'd, I'd yeah. give you that. Um, yeah, but so, so you know, with this, I think the, the, the difference is it's like when you've got a, a subgenre that spawned from a, a certain sound the, the the measure of how good you are as an artist for me is what your own spin is on it if you're just doing exactly the same mm. thing that the other guy's done but worse or yeah. maybe to the same level um that's not interesting to me um you know but if yeah. you put your own spin on it and and done something interesting with it that th- that's when when I get involved and you know I think the fact that you've got Red as his vocal in here um, plus just the way that Bakey does things. It was just, yeah, it's, it's really good. Yeah. I think it's a fair point to make what you just said there, but I think is it like from an artist's perspective, it's difficult, and especially with the music industry is you know, as, as it is, and I know we've touched on it before, how it's very different, obviously, to how it used to be. And I think because there's that much less money and, and traction is that much more difficult to gain, that typically what happens is, and we've seen it every year really since... since garages heyday right we just had like a little niche that will kind of rise to the surface everybody jumps on the bandwagon and the next year it's something else right and within genres and within garage it's always been the same way like something will be the sound and everyone kind of scrambles to kind of emulate it and it's really difficult to like as you said like put your own spin on it and that's kind of what sets apart the people that are really skilled and doing something really big from everybody else you know what i mean generally the people that end up kind of making moves are the ones who kind of manage to kind of do their own thing at the same time but it's kind of easier said than done i think it would be flippant to just kind of go oh, you're just copying such and such because it's it's quite striking that balance isn't it do you know what i mean i know i've been guilty of it in the past where i've kind of gone what rather than going what do i want to make i'll be going what do people expect to hear from me or what do i need to make to be heard and it took me a long while before i got pissed off with that and just went fuck it i'm just going to do my own thing and did jazz step but for years before that i was just kind of flitting and, and emulating and doing little bits and pieces that didn't really have much to them do you know what i mean and i, I think it's it's difficult to strike that balance as an artist and i'm rambling and i've gone off no no it's it's, it's it's not you're not yes. rambling like everything you're saying is absolutely right um you know i think as an artist it's important to do what you love but then i also feel like it to get heard sometimes you have to conform you know your first yeah. couple of tunes will slot into a, a genre so someone finds you and then once you get a following then you can start to go a bit more esoteric and do your own thing like it's it's true right or you can just you, you can just skip uh, yeah you know as we've seen a few times over the years you get the people who kind of bit, get a bit of traction and then just completely do a u-turn and do something completely fucking different uh, and that's obviously where they were going from the start and they've you know i don't want to criticize anyone for using anything as a stepping stone but like they're a stepping so there are ways of doing it and you know People do what they do. Like, um, th- like the way that S- let Scream went from dubstep into what disco. I think he started doing. And yeah, that was fucking mad. Fair play to him because he kind of pulled it off as well. I don't know how he made that because transition. he had the following and he was a huge name. If, if he yeah. just started in disco, do you reckon anyone would have given yeah. a fuck? Yeah. I, think yeah, that's the I, really, point. I really liked watching him do that and watching all that play out. That was a really interesting, like from a, from the outsider's perspective, just watching it going. 
how the fuck does he do it? I hope he did it. Good luck to him. And uh, yeah, big up Scream because he's kind of back on the on the garage thing now, isn't he? As well, when I was followed me the other day on on Twitter, and I was like, wow. Uh, just wait for that. <laughs> wait for that treat. Uh, wait for the tweet to come out. What's the biggest garage tunes right now? So we can go and rip all your bookings. Anyway. Should we take a? Oh, we, there's, there's a gassing topic. There's a gassing topic for a later. How many episode. times? How many times have I seen artists do that? Oh, I'm interested in subgenre X that I might not going to tell you that I want to get paid in. Uh, please, please do my work for me and tell me what's popular. Um, let's 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 uh, stop being passive aggressive and let's go back in time. Um, we we love to. No, no, no. You keep doing this. What? You keep skipping best of the rest. No. No, I love back in time. Yeah, you're actually right. We've got a shit ton of a shit ton of them to talk about as well. You know why it is? It's because in my in my playlist, the next one is your first pick. And um, thank you for calling me out. Let's go for it. Um, so best of the rest. We got we're rounding out what, an additional twelve tunes this show, right? Um, please kick us off, Rob. What is your first pick? Uh, I wish I knew what the correct pronunciation of this artist's name was. She reached out to me with a promo copy of this, and I think it might be Lurry, Lurry, L U dot R E. I'm going with I'm going I'm going to go with Lurry. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong. I did email her actually before we kicked the show off just to double check that she hasn't seen it yet. Um, the track's called Hold On. It's the debut single taken from a forthcoming EP, uh, and it's just it was the first I've heard of her. And it's just really slickly done. It's a really nice, soulful production. The vocal execution is really kind of ethereal. Uh, it just ticked a lot of boxes for me. Uh, I enjoyed it, and I think you might enjoy it too. My first pick are a group that need no introduction. Uh, Disclosure are back with Ray on the vocals, and they've done this one waterfall. Um, you know. They don't need any extra promotion from me, but I absolutely love this tune. It's just really well done. Put it in your bag now. Next up, I've got a track taken from Mobius's Memento LP, which is available on Crunk Culture, called Cabana. Uh, it's been around a little while now. It was one that I flagged when we were going to record this episode a few weeks back, so apologies for being late to the party on it. Uh, but it's nice, uh, jazzy, so uh, it's, it's jazzed it basically, so why wouldn't I like it? Uh, and it's just really nicely done uh, and a lot of lovely musical elements, so go check it out if you haven't heard it already. My next pick I think is on Wub Club, I'm going to say Wub Club, and yeah, it's uh, amazing. And it is straight out of Eurasia, I'll say no more, an artist called Digital Koala that I've been following a lot, uh, normally on the bass lane. This is a nice two-step 4-4 EP. This pick from the EP is called Divine Modulation, and it is a lovely piece of two-step. Uh, next on my list, I've got the D-Tune edit of a track called Coolia Can by Irish producer NK. Um, it's available on Keychain Recordings. Uh, and don't be fooled by the fact he's Irish because you would be forgiven for thinking this is from Central America. Um, it sounds the part and it makes me feel like I'm on holiday and that's, that's why I love it. I never knew that was an Irish guy, you know, that tune. Absolute vibes. Big oh, style go. mariachi yeah, yeah. business. Um, a wicked pick, wicked pick. 
my picks next pick is a bit cheese uh, that's all I can describe it as it's by someone called Hexy or H.exe I don't know and the track is entitled Crush it's just some warm cheesy two step vibes love it check it out Uh, next up, I mean, I, I've had several releases since the last podcast, and of course they're all fantastic, so I'd recommend you go and scope them all out. Uh, but the pick of the bunch, purely on the basis that it's taken such a long time to come out, and I was so excited for it, is my Jazz Step mix of I've Got a Crush on You by Jay Phelps and Mari Aurora. It's available now on Strictly Flavor, and put simply, this is exactly how I always wanted Jazz Step to sound. That's got some proper like off tones on it. I love it. I love it. It's, a, it's like that kind of <laughs> almost like a twenties vibe on the vocal. Um, it's wicked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my next pick is uh, some Lengtastic business. We're back on Night Bass. Fresh one from Badger, and this is entitled "Ew" because it's stinky. <laughs> Big up Badger, I saw them um, actually Spotify pick that as right at the top of their, their bass playlist, uh, which is a good luck, a good look. I think he was like cover cover material right there. You can't 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 do bigger than that. Uh, moving on, next up I have got a track called Low. It's taken from the Stepping Hill EP on Dance Regular. Uh, it's by an artist called uh, I think I'm saying this right, Sajna. Uh, and Roscoe G. Uh, it's more soulful, jazzy, brass-laden vibes and just right on my street. I love it. Highly recommend it. So here it is. We mentioned it earlier in the show. Clark, do it to me. It's been my favourite Clark uh, tune since the last show. What a banger. Um, just get this one in your bag immediately. Two-step sickness. Next up, available on Garage Shared now, is a track called Drama At Your Place from Ollie Weeks and Utelka. Every time I listen to this, I love it just a little bit more. It's just a, a really slick, well put together track with a really catchy vocal. Um, I challenge anyone not to just fall in love with it. Returning to Garage Shared, this one's on the GS Dubs imprint, Sub Templar Lock and Load. I, I hope you check this one out, Rob. There's some proper off, uh, off, uh, off, off kilter, new school brass going on on this thing. A mixture of kind of bass and jazz. Uh, jazz and bass, is that a new genre? I don't know. Uh, I'm loving this one. <laughs> Yeah, big up, big up Sub Templar on that one. Uh, next on my list, I have got In Time, uh, which is the new single on Upcycle Recordings from Laura Alice. Uh, more feel good, bumpy, 4 4 vibes. I think this is her strongest offering yet. Uh, and I'm loving it. Large up, Laura. Uh, my next pick was, uh, as always, we talk about this guy all the time. It was producer of the year 2021 for ITG. <laughs> These fresh ones, this one's entitled Lose My Mind. Uh, it, it's got a good kind of mix of 
soulfulness going into the sixth savageness. Uh, love it. It just does does it well every time. Next up, I've got a track called Precious Thing. It's taken from the Late Night Jams EP on Discos Marcianos. I hope I've said that right. Um, and I have no idea how you say this artist's name, so I'm just going to wing it and say Gwim, uh, G-U-I-M, if you need to search that. Uh, but it's just a lovely, soulful, uh, steppy vibe. Just kind of makes me feel warm. Uh, I've got all the time in the world for tracks that make me feel warm. sounds dirty oh, i love i can see you grim <laughs> next one so he's back he he puts out quantity no quality not quantity sammy Virgie's oh, dropped the bloom ep and this one is entitled no other and this he's got the ragger twins on this track um that's almost like a you know a a, a, a marker along a, a career journey within garage to get ragger twins involved uh, this one is pretty sick whole ep is nice check it out Yo, ready, 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 ready for the back and all. Virgie, I come with one here, that is chemical. We would laugh and talk about two other Niceness. Uh, next up, I've got another one from Upcycle Recordings, who are smashing it at the moment. Uh, this one's by Eddie Craig and Liam Craig. No idea whether they're related before you ask, uh, but the track itself, Flowers on the Curtains, is absolutely wicked. It's a real nice, soulful jam, really catchy vocal, really infectious. Just doing it on a whole number of levels, and I would strongly urge anyone who hasn't yet heard it to go scope it out. Jumping over to Point Blank Recordings, we've got some Filipino vibes. Uh, remixing Code Blue, uh, the track's called Last In Love and it's Kathy Hobby's Everlasting Love vocal mix. Um, you know, it's a blatant Todd rip, but it's done so, so well. Um, it's, it's like as if Todd did a tune at his highest peak um, coming out right now from, from this artist, Kathy Hobby. Please check it out, I really enjoyed it. And just on that note of, of discuss, discussing Kathy Hobby, I, I actually had one of hers shortlisted. It didn't quite make my cut, but it was I would have said exactly the same thing about that. So she's really uh, consistency, the word there with Kathy, I think. Uh, anyway, moving on to the next one. My next choice is Let Somebody Go by uh, ITG Award winning uh, Changing Phases. They were our breakout artist of the year last year, weren't they? Uh, it's available now on Soul City Digital and it's just so happy. It's so happy, but like they have this knack for making these really cheerful tracks without them being cheesy and irritating. And I think that's like a real skill and there's like a real fine line to tread. Changing Phases routinely do it. This is a perfect example, so go check it out and smile. We're going wonky on this one. Uh, this is uh, definitely a bit more on the uh, modern edge of garage music. Uh, Jasper Tigner has done a tune called Blush and it is just modern wonky goodness. Um, pure outro vibes for me. I played it at the end of, of one of my shows recently and absolutely love this one. Check it out. I'm so glad you mentioned that one, man. I, I had that written down. It's, it's, it's a vibe. 
Uh, next up, I've got one. I've been a bit cheeky. This one actually isn't out until next week, so depending on when you're listening or watching the podcast, this may or not be available, but um, definitely go check it out either way. You can pre-order it if it's not yet available. It's a new one from About Two, and it's called Sublime, uh, available from the 22nd of April on Strictly Flavor. Um, it's more jazz Ted goodness, and it's really, it's just really slickly done. So, so big up Maxine Sinclair because it's, it's just fucking great. I have nothing else to say than it's just great. Go listen to it if you haven't heard it yet. This guy, this guy's work rate. How many tunes has he put out since the last show we've had? Para, he's back. He's done Untitled One. This is Entitled Two. Um, a lot of his tunes, I feel, have had like a kind of them two flair to them recently, but just it's. It, I don't know how he keeps getting better. Um, big, big up, Para. I just love this one. Love it. And from one prolific guy who's churning them out to another, I legitimately had difficulty like I, I, I couldn't remember which Dan T track it was I wanted to name so I put Dan T Beatport in when on his artist page and yeah he's had about 12 releases since since the last episode uh, this was the pick of the bunch but I could have I could have named any one of them the guy's on fire he's really consistent this is a great example of it nice garage house vibe really smooth really soulful really catchy go check it out it's available now on Captain Records it's called Inside Dante. Uh, my last one is a cheeky little bootleg. Um, I just this is it's remixing Ariana Grande tunes. So you're going to be thinking, what what the fuck? Um, so she's done the tune 34 plus 35, and on the bootleg here we've got DJ CDQ. He has done uh, an awesome job, and just check out his SoundCloud because he's been putting out some wicked freebies over the past couple of months. Big up CDQ for this one. Um, a fun fact, I thought this tune was called 3345 just because that's what I see when I see these sorts of <laughs> Larger. <laughs> You know what you say that about Ariana Grande and, and that I would be thinking, what the fuck? But actually, I don't think that at all. I really rate Ariana Grande. I think she's got a really wicked voice and she's very versatile. And in terms of her tracks and, you know, what she actually records, they've all got the potential to cross over to, to making good garage mixes with the right person doing them, for sure. So, uh, nice to, always it's, nice It's to so hear surprising given how manufactured she is, right? She's, a, she's like a Disney product. And yet, yeah. you still listen to the tunes, and it's like, okay, how can I not enjoy this? Like, it's yeah. Let's not become granddad melts on this podcast, but it just it does. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's always fun because I'll find one of her tunes. Like when I like when I found this tune, I'll go on YouTube, like because I've never heard the original before, and then I'll look and I'll be like, oh, I'm just hearing this tune on this bootleg, and it's had oh 800 million views. Like that's when I know I'm old and out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Real. Do you know what I, I said? I said a similar thing to the wife um, yesterday about Doja Cat as well. I said like specifically about Say So. I think I think I tweeted. I don't know if you saw it. I think it's just one of the finest pop tracks that's been released in recent memory. No matter how many times I hear it, I always smile and I all I, I never like it any less. Do you know what I mean? It's manufactured to the bone, but it's it's yeah. There's just a, there's a core of some really decent pop music coming out of America at the moment. Maybe it doesn't <laughs> sound old. I don't know. 
Or maybe think just hot enough. I don't know. Whilst we're, whilst we're just just before we skip out of the best of the rest, I did have a note here um, just to apologise to BWK Project for not mentioning Pressure, his single that he released on the last episode because I did actually have it shortlisted. And I think we had a bit of a mix-up, like we were jo- uh, jostling things around, weren't we? Like with our selections, and I just literally missed it off the piece of paper. But absolutely, it deserved a shout. Um, and it's only been a couple of months. I know in the world of garage, two months is a long time, and a million singles have come out since but uh, and i'm sure everyone's heard it by now but if you haven't do go check out pressure by bwk because i think it's one of his strongest offerings uh, in recent memory and that's saying something because the guys you got bwk uh, with all of these tunes if you want to check them out on our spotify playlist once again please head over to in the uk slash recommends um and just hit a quick follow on that big up uh mr phonetics for curating that one I'd better go and yeah, I'll pay that. <laughs> You're advertising, and I'm just sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> there's time. <laughs> there's time. We'll fix it in post. That's what we always say. Anyway, um, can we time travel now? I know I was obviously a bit premature before. Are we allowed to time travel now? We can time travel now, mate. Yeah, now we've done best of the rest. Let's do it. Uh, me first. Me first. Yeah. Just, just, just as a reminder to any yeah. new listeners, it's not a reminder if you're a new listener. Um, we like to explore what is lovingly known as the forgotten years um, of Garage, uh, kind of the dark ages between around 2003 to 2010, um, of just music that's kind of was there and doing things and was over, over, overseen, oversighted uh, at the time. Oh, yeah, and. F- and forgotten and now lost in, in, in the ether because it was all vinyl only and, and there aren't even digital copies of most of this shit. Do you know what? I am going to make, I'm going to build a website for the lost years. I've been thinking about it recently. I'm going to knock up a little website and I'm going to have clips of loads of these classic tracks on there because it's just too good to just be, you know, gone. It, it makes, makes me sad. And this is a prime example of one, you know, that I feel didn't, you know deserves deserves more love we've actually talked you said when i when i flagged it with you you said oh we already talked about the ep didn't we because it was a a joint venture between stereo hype recordings and true tiger stereo hype being run by charma and misty dubs true tiger was obviously scandalous unlimited's outlet Um, and on one side you had Two tracks from, from this man who we're going to discuss today, Will Phillips. The other side, you had the one Bart Martian tracks. Now, we talked about, I think we, we flagged it doesn't have to be, didn't we, on a previous episode, uh, a sort of seminal one Bart Martian track, which really stands out. Um, this would be the, this, this one I'm talking about today is called In Love With You. It would be Will's equivalent, I feel. It really stands out in memory for me as his strongest one. things man oh man do you know what we should talk but when it gets to like the little breakdown where he's got that little uh, Rhodes solo can we just like pipe it back up again because I feel that needs more love I remember talking to Will at the time um, about how he got the keys to sound so legitimate because 
If you played me that track a thousand times, I would swear that he's playing on a Rhodes Mark II because they sound so authentic. But it's not. Like, every sound in there is just straight out of logic and he's just obviously processed and programmed everything to, to, the, to minute detail to sound absolutely spot on. The bass line, even the bass line, man, if you told me someone had played that in with a live bass guitar, I would assume that was true. But again, it's, that's just pulled straight out of, I think it was like the ES6 or whatever it is in, in, in Logic. It's been a while since I used Logic, so forgive me if I'm name-plugging the wrong plug-in there. Um... But yeah, Will Phillips, man, what a talent. He was the, the talent, you know, I, I should probably sort of pipe that in with the fact that the, the artist formerly known as Will Phillips, who obviously is Grammy Award winning tourist um, these days working on that Sam Smith album. And he's gone on to do bigger and better things. Uh, but there was a while there where he was kind of doing these bumpy 4-4 MJ Cole meets Artifact kind of tracks. Do you know what I mean? That was that. If, we, if I had to describe that, I'm just going to shut up actually because I can hear the piano coming in the background. This is my favourite bit of the track. Right? It's insane to think how good he was for his age. Was he like 20 at this time? I remember meeting Will and he was like young. He might have been younger than that when he he recorded this. Like there was just always that raw natural ability there to come up with something like that. It's just very cleverly done to take like a little vocal hook, build a whole track around it and have those kind of MJ Cole style piano elements. You know what I mean? There's obviously like he was like the MJ Cole protege, wasn't he? Do you know what I mean? He was MJ Cole kind of Mark II around that time. Um, and he, he really kind of nailed those pianos. But then I liked it because he kind of started off with, it was he had those prolific, early prolific dubs releases. He did that Scooby, it was a 10 inch press, wasn't it? And it was Scooby with Shaggy on the other side. And I fucking loved that. I thought that was wicked. It was a bit more raw and gritty than that, that, that track we just listened to there. But he kind of progressed onto there. He did a few two-step bits, which were kind of very MJ Cole sounding. And then he kind of went off and he went, right, like what's doing the business at the moment? Like what was everyone in Uptown getting hyped about? And like Artifact was the guy like for a while there, we were all just like fucking hell from Russia with dubs. Yeah, the new one's coming out and all that. And Will somehow managed to kind of take elements of that and fuse it with MJ. That's always how I looked at it. It was like Artifact fused with MJ, kind of met somewhere in the middle and that was Will Phillips. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of wrote him off as a bit of a one-trip pony because they were just like, oh, it just seems like he's trying to mug MJ Cole off. But I never kind of felt that with Will. I, I always felt like there were there were elements there was obviously a strong inspiration influence from mj but i always felt he kind of did it with his own his own sort of take and 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 he was quite creative with it um you know i would hazard a guess that perhaps towards the end there he got a bit bored with it and maybe that's why he moved on to to sort of different greener pastures i don't know i'm just speculating there i haven't spoken to will for a long time but um i enjoyed all his releases there was this there was a number of them on this bumpy 4-4 tip there was in love with you. I'm trying to think what the other track on that EP was called. Ignoring was it, me. Uh, or was, was it being in, was it being in love? 
Be in love. I think being in love was a, was on a, one of the streets releases. There was a few because he, he did some on stereo hype, and then some of them were like little, almost like extras on on the streets releases, which were typically for kind of more in your face bootleggy type ones. But I think I, I assume perhaps there was kind of illicit samples from vocals from R and B tracks or something. That's why they ended up on there. They were wicked nonetheless. Uh, and there was a while there where I remember Red Selector coded a, a, a digital store, didn't he, for Stereo Hype, and you could get all of that stuff. And I was fortunate enough that I jumped at the opportunity and I got all of those tunes because if you didn't, then you know they, they, they're just gone now. And they, and good luck getting hold of a vinyl. I'm sure there probably are some on, on sale on Discogs, but I wouldn't like to hazard a guess how much they're they're going for. Probably not as much as they should be when you consider there's probably only a few hundred of them in circulation to tops. Um, but yeah, props to Will. I just, I, you know, we, we've obviously, this is the 13th episode. So we've been doing this podcast over a year now. This is the first time we've mentioned um, Will Phillips. And it was a while there. There was a few artists that came out of the last years that if you had said to me, like, who's going to who's gonna transcend Garage? Who's going to, you know, end up doing really big things? Will Phillips would have been top of the list for sure. I definitely would have picked Will Phillips, Scott Diaz and Artifact. Um, and obviously all three of them have gone on to do bigger and better things. Um, yeah, I'm gushing. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm gushing here, but I, I was just always such a massive fan of Will's sound and I just loved how he kind of blended it. And, um, it was always very clinical and clean, but it was that way cause he wanted it to be that way. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you get those yeah, people who kind of talk and go, Oh no, I like it. Oh, I wish it was a bit rougher. And it's like, well, he didn't want it to be rougher. He wanted it to be like, if Will Phillips makes something and it sounds like that, it's cause he fucking wants it to be that way. And, and, and I always enjoyed it, man. I like, there's, there's, there's a little part of me that can appreciate the kind of gritty stuff. You know, I look back to the turn of the century and like, I love those Harry Lyme recordings and they were raw as fuck. Do you know what I mean? But equally, like I can really appreciate like when I've got my, my nerdy producer hat on the ability to get something that clean and straight out of the box as well. Cause like every sound on that track is just straight out of logic and to be able to do it that well and create that level of emotion as well. Cause it's a really emotive track. Don't know, it makes me sound like a bit of a pansy, but I've definitely sat there and cried listening to that track before. Um, <laughs> it just invokes that much emotion from me. Like, there's not many people that can do that, man. Like, Will, Will was one of them. Uh, Mondo Grosso can do it. MJ can do it with certain tracks as well. In Garage, I don't know if I could name any other tracks that have brought me to tears, you know, by any other artists. So um, that's that's probably deserving of a nod in itself, I think. Yeah, completely. I mean, it's like saying he's a bit of a rip rip of MJ Cole. Such a weird thing to say, considering he was MJ Cole's protege. So, like, surely MJ's going to be saying, "Okay, this is how I do it," and here's all the bits, and then he's going to learn exactly the same kind of methods, and then he'd end up with similar sounds. Like, I, it, it it makes complete sense to me that it would come out sounding slightly like him in the first instance. And like you said, his first his first um, release um, is prolific dubs one. I mean, he was so young when that went out. And you know, and he was straight away was out on MJ Cole's label, and it was it was raw. It was they were raw tunes, and then like you say, he progressed into being like uh, a lot more musical and emotive, and and you you could tell that it wasn't there was a slight bit of polish where it wasn't complete MJ Cole. But if someone told you it was MJ Cole, you'd be like, oh yeah, I completely believe you. Um, but like he, yeah, he, he's obviously a massive talent, and he's gone on to do his things. Um, you know, as, as uh, uh, it was a bit weird. It's like, it felt like to me, like uh, he knew he was talented. Like he knew he had talent. Right. And for, I remember the story that this came out, he, like this EP came out with one dark Martian. And then he, he turned around and said, Oh, well I've released an, an EP in garage now. So I've had enough. 
I remember hearing that story somewhere. And it was like, it sounded like there was a lot of ego there. And and it's almost like, okay, he's got so much talent. Is it warranted for him to have that ego? Maybe it is. Maybe he's allowed to be that big-headed. But I feel like if you've got, you've got to be grounded to get places. Um, and I feel like if he was a little bit more grounded, he might have been even more successful than he is now. Um, it, it, you know, the thing is, when, when, when you... Like, I hear Taurus tunes on the radio and they'll be like, this is a new one from Taurus and it'll be tune of the week and they'll be going mad for it like he's absolutely smashing it and best of luck to him I, I hope he's managed to stay grounded especially seeing as he's got a Grammy under his belt now as well as you said um, I hope he's managed to, to keep his feet on the ground um, Do you know what? In, I mean, in this part of his, of his career I knew, I knew Will around that time and I mean I, I, I don't know I, I, this is the thing with stories isn't it, isn't it? in hearsay <laughs> and conjecture is you're always listening to something second hand I never got really like a massive I, I, I never really sniffed out much ego from him and generally speaking like if I do pick up on any ego in music circles I distance myself from people because I just ain't got time for it um I always found Will quite down to earth I don't know like if there's truth um in, in what you said there or not I wouldn't like to speculate do you know what I mean but um ultimately at the end of the day like <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head there where you said really if anybody um would be excused to have ego it would be somebody that was you know talked about as the next mj cole at the age of sort of 17 um and actually yeah i totally agree with you as well like for somebody to turn around and say he sounds like an mj cole rip that's that's a pretty big compliment do you know what i mean it probably wasn't intended knowing what uptown was like and knowing how fucking mm-hmm. nerdy and argumentative everyone got on there it was probably meant as a diss but actually i think if somebody if somebody referred to me as the second coming of mj cole i think i'd feel like i'd accomplished all my life goals um especially you know someone as young as will was obviously looking up to to someone like matt and yeah absolutely it would make sense that he would go on to kind of make tunes that sounded somewhat um similar but you know, again, I could always differentiate him, and I always liked what he did. Um, that's why I there was another guy that came close. That. I think there was another guy that came close. His name was Soulmaster. Um, <laughs> he sounded a lot like MJ Cole. <laughs> forgot about him. Forgot about him. Yeah. <laughs> you forgot about him. I, I see. I see one of that. One of the tunes pop up in my library when I was looking for this one. Oh, nice. Ride on, what a tune! Ride on. Oh man, yeah. that got that got that got some airplay, didn't it, man? That was on the radio hairy cuts. One. That was on Radio One at the time, man. The Wide Boys and Raz Kwame were repping that tune on Radio One. That's how that's mental. And to think, like, oh, there's a whole story of why that that uh, that EP completely bombed. But um, in essence, in retrospect, like, had have we not had the, the pressing issues that we had with it? Hairy Cuts Volume One should have should have sold by the bucket load because it got repped on radio one kiss one extra it was just fucking everywhere there for a while alas and alas, if, we if, went if, to a grammy if, and i'm still sat here flogging a dead horse <laughs> well you know if if you haven't worked out soul master is uh one of men, rob's many aliases um from way back when should we should we dive into my pick this is this is a rare one um the original pick that i wanted to go with was a vinyl release and i literally honestly could not find any recording of it anywhere on the internet so I've had to leave that for another day until I rip the vinyl whenever it might be but it was um it was a jack in house one on padded cell and we've got a whole there's a whole discussion to be had there about the the branch off of jack in house during the lost years you know that was pretty much where it was founded right um we can come back to that another week uh this tune that I've ended up picking now is by an artist called Sly which is a um alias of Jeremy Sylvester. It's featuring the vocals of Tony Lindsay. It came out in 2009, and this one is called Get Down. 
Energy, mate. Energy. Like, uh, I, I had, to, I wanted to pick this tune first of all because I've absolutely love it. I've caned it into the ground um, over the years. Um, it, I, it's important to point out how involved Jeremy Sylvester's obviously been, like forever in Garage. Like all throughout the Lost Years, he was consistent, right? And especially in the early parts of the Lost Years. Uh, where he was putting the Club Asylum stuff out, which was wonky four yeah. four, that was fitting in with that kind of main, the main garage kind of push at that time, um, you know. So, that, like he he's consistently been releasing tunes up until today. Like I, I still get Jeremy Jeremy Sylvester promos to this day. Um, the, this tune, it it was a bit of a rip of um, the old tough, tough Jam dub of Testified. Remember that tune? Is it Jay, Jay Williams or someone like that? Um, so it, I, I used to play them two tunes together because they kind of sounded similar, so they complement mm. each other. Um, but yeah, it's like he, he's, he's got about as many aliases as you, this man, and he just he can still do it. Like this this tune, I, 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 this will blow up any rave to this day still. Like, uh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, that's, like, that's 13 years old, bro. Energy, you like hit the nail on the head with one word there. Energy, like when that drops, like I, I challenge anyone to not just bust a skank. Like it's impossible not to. I, I literally, I don't have the words to to encapsulate how much respect I have for Jeremy Sylvester and his back catalogue. It's just phenomenal. And like you, you again, you now you hit the nail on the head when you, you're saying about consistency and how he's consistently delivered and been involved in garage like the whole fucking its whole fucking entirety do you know what i mean the whole time it's been there jeremy sylvester has always been there and he was always really like during those last years as well man he was like he was kind of quite forward thinking because jeremy was on the digital thing before people even really appreciate that, that digital was a was a thing do you know what i mean i remember being at uni and i think it was before i was even on fucking uptown it must have been like 2002 2003 and one of those club asylum tunes that ended up on the 2005 album sampler he had that for free download on mp3.com going going that far back so he obviously saw the the promise 
in the digital age. And when everybody else was running around trying to flog vinyl still, Jeremy had UrbanDubs.com set up and he was flogging his all CDs and we were all there flocking there by the masses and paying a tenner a CD. And he, I wouldn't like to, to even try and hazard a guess how much money he made from that, but I would imagine he did very well. Uh, he had the business savvy and fair play to him, good luck, because he deserved to do well from it, especially with the quality and consistency of the tunes. I had I, Everything he put out around that time, I was just like, mate, take my money, I'll have a CD, please. I had, I don't even know if I still got them. They're probably in the loft now. I kind of ripped all my CDs and put most of them in the loft, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, there was some real strong ones. And, and I think uh, he did he did a remixes one as well, didn't he? Where like obviously X amount of years had passed since the official releases. Um, Jeremy being Jeremy notoriously cheap with, with like bootlegging things and sample packs and stuff and um like the, you could buy a cd and it had like tell me it's real imagine it had all of it had um, the genuine remix all of those were on a cd i had that one as well um interesting that you picked this one because i think if i was going to pick a jeremy sylvester track from the last years this probably wouldn't have been my pick but if i'm honest i've kind of forgotten about it until you until you mentioned it uh, and I'd forgotten how good it was until I listened back to it. And I, I'd say that for a few of Jeremy's tracks. You kind of forget how good they are until you listen back to them and you go, fucking hell, this guy really gets it. And he's always just kind of had this knack for, for taking things and just, just building these really energetic tracks that make you smile. Do you know what I mean? Like you were beaming as soon as that track dropped. Oh, so was I. Every like, time, possible. every time, mate. So many of those, so many of those Club Asylum tunes, man, as well. Like, I, I, it's just got so many fond memories attached to them so, and those prolific herbal club nights and stuff so around what, that what time. one would you pick would you pick let me guess it's going to be hypnotized right it's got to be hypnotized no <sighs> it probably would be hypnotized you know the other one i really loved which people always frown at me and they go like that's one of your standouts like because it's a really obscure one to pick but i think actually if you listen to my tunes and like the stuff that i kind of tend to go for it kind of makes sense i really liked the legendary dub uh, which I think started originally it was a John Legend boot and then he turned it and he released a, a, an instrumental version of it. I think it was on the 2006, I think it was the first track on the 2006 album sample, if I recall right. right and it okay. wasn't like typically Jeremy Sylvester or Club Asylum. You wouldn't necessarily hear it and go, that's Club Asylum, but it was just, it was just fucking wicked. In fact, I'm going to, do you know what? I'm going to, in post, I'm going to play that track whilst we're talking about it because it's just such a nice vibe. And I always used to, around that time, I'd always start sets with it because it was just a really nice, warm opener. It had this really low, rumbly bass on it that would just sound really good and then it dropped into these really funky keys. You're frowning at me, like, I feel like you've probably... No, no, no. You've probably got it on the tip of your tongue. I can't remember the one I'm talking about. Maybe no, no I, yeah, I, I, it's, not, it's not even in my head, mate. It's, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited to hear back the show to, to hear what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, what I'm thinking about is, is like all of these tunes you can get off of him now. He does like a USB with 400 tunes on that you can buy off him with like his whole back catalogue pretty much, just for like how one much, price. How much is one of those? Uh, oh, shit, pull my headphones out. It's not good. How much does um, <laughs> one of those USBs go for? Do you know? I, I can't tell. I've looked through it. I've, I, I haven't looked at it because I've got a load of the CDs, do you know what I mean? So I wouldn't rebuy them necessarily, uh, but I'm interested to know. Yeah, I don't know. I saw it as I was like kind of looking around on this tune. Um, I, I saw it like one of the Google results was um, 400 Jeremy Sylvester tracks. Um, so there's the. Um, to there's even have the that lim- many tracks is insane, isn't it? Like, to even have that many. Uh, to oh, be able he's to work rate's ridi- ridiculous. So it's 50 quid on his Bandcamp for the USB. Um, and then he's got the digital download version for 35 quid. But that's 400 tunes from one of the best producers, one of the best garage producers of all time. I'd imagine right. he probably sells quite a few of them. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's quite knocking on Kanye territory with his 
like an MP3 device that we talked about last time. <laughs> I would, you know, I would say Jeremy is potentially more deserving of those sales than, than Kanye, but that's that's a whole different conversation. Um, but yeah, man, like, I, I tell you what's interesting with Jeremy as well is like when he does when he does these releases, there's definitely like a formula. You can you can generally speaking, you can recognise a Jeremy Sylvester tune or a Club Asylum tune or a God tune, depending on which which of his alias he's using, right? They're kind of formulaic in a sense, but equally, like there are other producers I would say are formulaic and it pisses me off because all of their tunes sound the same. But I wouldn't say that about Jeremy. I would say they're formulaic and I can go, yeah, that's Jeremy Sylvester. But he, he always manages to have a little something in there that sparks my interest and he always has done and I would hazard a guess probably always will do. Um, and he's a top geezer as well, so I have all the time in the world for people who are that skilled and humble with it. Top, <laughs> top man. One of the greatest garage producers of all time, mate. For sure. Hands down. Hands For down. Sure. I, th- I feel like he's probably, if you if you sat there and made, like, if you sat there and made a list, or if you asked 50 hardcore garage heads in a room who their, who, who their favourite garage producer is, I would say probably MJ Cole would crop up more than any other, right? I would say you'd probably have a number of people saying LB. You would probably have a lot of people saying Steve Gurley. I think... Jeremy Sylvester probably deserves more of those people going, oh, Jeremy Sylvester. Like, I look at those lost years and I go, right, who were two of the really consistent, big time, big name acts who, who had been around for years? The two that spring to mind, and we talked about the Wide Boys in a previous episode, the Wide Boys and Jeremy Sylvester, those are two names that should come up more when you're talking to people about who their favourite garage producer is, I feel, in my humble opinion, because uh, I, I feel like both those acts have just been prolific like ridiculous not even prolific doesn't even capture it doesn't doesn't it doesn't verbalize how how efficient and and their work rate just just fucking ridiculous um yeah like you said if you're able to offer 400 tunes on a usb stick it's just <laughs> it's just crazy it's just crazy like, yeah, but it's, sm- it's smart though right because otherwise it's just going to be sitting there and not, it's not no, doing right. anything with it Absolutely. so it might as well be like get the lot no I didn't think it was, mate. tracks to offer is just is, like it's kind of mind blowing, isn't it? I think a lot. Of, I think a lot, a lot of, of people right? would be so protective over their music they wouldn't want to do it. Um, you know, and he's like you said, he's forward thinking, right? So yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's that was my pick. Um, thank you for talking nice about pick, that with mate. me. I think it, yeah, it was uh, it was good stuff. So for gassing this week, Rob, well, uh, this month, should we say? Um, you picked an interesting topic that we've argued over before. Um, yeah, I it, mean, this is this is one that comes up frequently in conversation, is it? And, I, and I've every time we've kind of talked about, it, I've gone, we should talk about that with gassing. And see, we've always been somewhat reticent to do it because it's very easy to get fucking really nerdy and technical with it. And I, funnily enough, I saw Duncan recently, and I, I started having a little rant about this. And I think it, there was probably a moment there where we went all glassy-eyed and was thinking, I wish you'd shut the fuck up. I feel so strongly about it. It's definitely <laughs> worth a quick discussion. I feel uh, mastering and the loudness war. And so I have a real big in my bonnet about it um so in essence right like you, you take those tracks you take some classic beatles recordings or even you go back earlier than that obviously they were all mastered for their appropriate medium which you know around that time is vinyl that they were, they were mastered in a certain way um the mastering process as a whole like and I, and I think the very essence of mastering goes over a lot of people's heads because the way people look at it these days as how loud can i make my track and that isn't what it's necessarily about right it's about putting the final spark or magic on a recording and making it sound a certain way so that it transfers across different sound systems and sounds good because you can make like if you make a track straight out of your studio 
and then take it in your car, nine times out of ten, unless you've made some little edits afterwards, it's going to sound a bit shit. Do you know what I mean? Because all speakers, all setups are EQ'd slightly differently. They all have different like nuances to them. So it's a real art. The mastering engineer is, and I feel it's like a, kind of a lost art these days because obviously there's a lot. There's fewer mastering engineers around than there once were, you know, as there are, you know, there's just less money in music. So it was always going to go that way. So if you come across a good mastering engineer and you've got a good relationship with them, make sure you fucking take care of them and, and nurture that relationship. Um, I feel in, in recent years, and, and I say in recent years, I mean, it's been going on a long time. Gradually, since back in the day, I don't know, it sounds really cliche saying back in the day, but in yesteryear, right, like the, the, the recordings were a certain volume and they've just got louder and louder and louder and it was going on and, and it was kind of it was gradually increasing in volume right until probably like when we had the whole digital revolution so when it became possible to make music on a computer when when just just for the sake of argument let's say when cubase introduced the first vst and all of a sudden everyone went shit to bed i don't need hardware anymore i can make an entire tune out of my computer the the, the art of engineering something probably properly was lost overnight like a lot of those engineers who were making their living engineering tunes for people making sure that things were done properly were mixed down properly that went and there was a large expanse of time there where the quality of music was was definitely affected. I don't care what anyone said. There were people that will argue this. There was a point in time where there was a lot of shit music around because there was a lot of people that were kind of learning on the go. And it's not a criticism of those people. Fair play to them. They were there already. They were trying to get on with it. There was some good music as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not slating all of it. But there was a lot of, lot of shit out there. Um, and off the back of that, like, came this thing where, like, it was all, it's almost like the mastering process, the, the point of it and, and the principles of it, I think for a lot of people got lost. You had, you had people, and I, and I don't want to insult Skrillex, right? But Skrillex is a, is a, is a great, in, in fact, I'm going to compliment Skrillex here because I, I feel like what Skrillex achieved in his kind of, his, his revolution, his, his take on dubstep, you know, when he kind of took that kind of nice, warm, wobbly, wobbly dubstep sound and he made it really fucking gritty and in your face and all out tech, right? Skrillex was somebody who came along and was really using limiting heavy, heavily in the mix down stage of his tracks because he wanted every element to smack you in the fucking face. It was an artistic decision, right? And the way he did it was fucking genius. And like, it was almost revolutionary in the way he was doing it. I'm sure there were other artists doing it around that time as well. But like Skrillex is the standout one for me because, you know, he kind of achieved it was the pinnacle of dubstep and, and tech around that time, right? He, he kind of shot to fame and he's made a really decent career off the back of it. But in doing so, what he did, like he, he took that and he did that artistically. And and if you look at one of his, one of Skrillex's tracks in your in your audio editor, it's like a brick wall. It's just a fucking light, it's just a big brick because everything in there is so loud. And unfortunately, the, the byproduct of that is that for some reason, everybody else went, I've got to fucking do the same. <laughs> and all of a sudden, everyone was using a sausage fattener or a Waves L2 Ultra Maximizer on every channel of their mix. Um, and you ended up with these tracks that, and I, I've touched on it, I'm sure I've touched on it before in, in previous episodes, and I like, we probably glossed over it, but like, there are tracks, even tracks that we've discussed in recent times, I'm not going to go naming names because I don't want to be a cunt or come across unprofessional, but there are definitely tunes that we've talked about that I feel personally, and obviously this is subjective, my personal opinion is that had those tracks been mixed down by somebody else, limited to a lesser extent, not overmastered to the degree that the degree they have been, they would have sounded a lot warmer. And for me, in my from my perspective, would have stood the test of time better. 
Um, alas, we will see going down the line whether those tracks do last the test of time. I may stand corrected. It remains to be seen. But it's an interesting one because obviously basic human physiology, like the way that you perceive sound and music particularly, is that the louder something is, the better it sounds. And that's why when you go to a concert or a club night, everything's piped out really fucking loud. Because let's be honest, right? You take a track, you play it on your iPhone, it sounds, everything sounds dog shit, right? You take one of those tunes, you play it in a club, and some of those tunes are going to sound fucking banging, especially when you've got an appreciation for the bass coming out of those big speakers. So it's basically like the whole mastery and loudness war kind of stems from that, doesn't it? You know, it's that whole loud, loud is better, um, and it's it's kind of a common dogma. It's like a, a mis a, a misrepresentation of how things actually are because you, you, you in 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 looking at it in those simplistic terms, you overlook all of the negatives to it. And the negatives are that once you start really hard limiting something and over compressing things, you add little digital artifacts. Especially you know we're all using digital equipment and software these days. So you're adding in little digital artifacts. You're reducing your signal to noise ratio. You're basically you're doing things that are almost to the detriment of your recording. And as I say, I feel like it's kind of spoiling a lot of music and has done for several years now. Like when I look back even to like when we're talking about the lost years and how I used to kind of mix things down um, and, and they, I used the term mastering loosely because like I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was kind of cobbling it together. Like back then, I, I was being quite... Um, the way I've been gentle like when I was living in things uh, and now I'm getting sent demos through or I get sent promos come through and they're like mastered to I don't want to get too into the technical side of things if we start talking about minus six luffs and that like people you know like there's obviously a certain crowd that will know what I'm going about and a lot of other people are going this geezer's a fucking nerd and you're right I am uh, but that's besides the point but I, I'm hearing stuff now that's just limited to such an extent that I can't I, I, I did have one track came through to me recently and it was fucking brilliant but I can tell you now, I didn't play it and I binned it off because it had been mastered to the point where like all the bass was breaking up and I could hear distortion in there even when I was listening to it quite quietly. And I was thinking to myself, fucking hell, if I play that in a club, that would sound shit. Because, you know, you take a recording, you amplify it by however many decibels, you're amplifying all of that noise and all of those digital artifacts. And the crazy thing to me is that now we're in this digital streaming revolution, we're in the age of streaming, right? Where like, we, I mean, we talked about statistics, say, say we say 95% for arguments sake of music is streamed um, and the vast majority of that probably being via Spotify and Apple Music right all of the mastering services all of those pieces of software and I know that you obviously have a tremendous respect for those people that are coding those bits of software they have an algorithm built into them so that the volumes level out and you, you can actually switch that on and off in, in Spotify I, I don't use Deezer so I don't know if you can do it in Deezer I assume you probably can there's probably an option in Spotify if you go into your settings you can actually turn that on and off um, most people probably don't I, most people probably don't care enough I'm fully aware that I'm a complete nerd so this matters to me more than it would your average person um, but they have an algorithm built into them which adjusts the volume of these recordings accordingly and Spotify's one is essentially for argument's sake about minus 14 laughs so if you've got a track that gets mastered to minus eight laughs, you, all that's going to happen when you then upload that via distributor and it goes to Spotify is, in essence, the algorithm in Spotify turns it down by six decibels, halves the volume of it. So, so human perception of, of, of sound and audio levels, six decibels equates to a halving of volume if you're reducing it by that. Or if you were to boost something by six decibels, you'd be amplifying it twofold. right? So you, you're mastering your tracks to this really loud level and it's kind of pointless because Spotify just then turns it down. So actually, when you're really getting into this loudness war and you're going, fucking hell, I've got to make my track really loud, you're limiting, you're compressing, you're overdoing it, you're introducing those little digital artifacts that I talked about. 
and you're doing them for no reason because then Spotify turns it straight back down again. So there's definitely an argument to be had for going, don't fucking overdo it on the mastering. Now, the problem is, like, and me and you obviously have briefly touched on this before we went on air, and I know we talked about it at length in the past. You're kind of in this position now where a lot of people are kind of, I don't want to say stuck, or it's just, it's all they've ever known, like, especially with some of the newer producers, obviously, they're not going to have ever produced tracks that are at that lower volume. If you take some of those classic old school recordings, and we're talking things like Sincere, like Sincere, a great example, that'll be at about minus 12 luffs. So actually, like, in terms of, like, you upload that album to Spotify, it gets turned down slightly, but you're not, it's, it's a warm, organic recording, nothing was lost in the way that was mastered it was it was done really nicely if you play a track from that album against most of the stuff that's in the beatport top 10 now it'll be so fucking quiet because they've all been limited to the extreme and like i know you've said to me before like you end up kind of twiddling on your cue button and really cranking volumes up just to get your mix sounding okay like but you're all now where you'd struggle to, to, to mix up old and new because if you take some of those old tracks, they're so quiet next to the new tracks that you're, you're almost maxing out what you can do with your cue knob on, on, on your mixer. Do you know what I mean? And it's just a bit of a crazy position to be in when you consider that actually there isn't really a need. It, the only need, the only need for it is, is this kind of perceived need to compete in terms of volume with the next release because nobody wants to be and I've been that guy because when I when I mastered Jazz Step FM like the original Jazz Step FM I mastered it myself and I made the artistic decision that fuck it like I, these these recordings are really warm and organic sounding they're very musical I don't want to ruin them by really starting getting into limiting everything at the mix down stage and then going on to master and really over mastering it so I was really gentle and I actually used MJ Cole's Sincere because it was a kind of similar vibe do you know what I mean that kind of jazzy two-step vibe it's a kind of similar vibe I was, I was like I'll use that as my benchmark so when I'm doing my mastering I'm going to use that as my reference point for EQ and, and the way everything's been compressed and stuff and actually I, I I like to think that if you play my album next to Sincere, it stands up, not necessarily in terms of quality, that's a very subjective thing to say, but like in terms of the way it's EQ'd, mixed down and mastered, it would be somewhat similar, maybe not to MJ's level, I'm not, I don't claim to be the next MJ Cole by any means, but it would be along those lines, right? The problem with that, and one of the, the, the bits of feedback that I got, and I've had it a few times in the past year where I've sent tracks to DJs and they come back and they go oh this this basically say this isn't loud enough this needs to be louder if you want me to play it and that's just oh, wow it's just a fucking mental position to be in and that's why when I released Jazz FM Deluxe one of the things I did was like I, obviously like we talked about this before but I was talking about doing longer tracks with intros and, and outros for the DJs I was thinking to myself well a lot of those DJs that were moaning that there weren't intros and outros probably the same djs that go well this isn't loud enough because mm. it doesn't match up against the other stuff that they're buying from beatport so that's why that that, that newer version of jazz step fm was mastered a lot louder and it killed me doing it and i fucking hated it and particularly we've got the tea towel not that i don't like to critique my own work but when you listen to it like i had to master it to the point where the bass kind of breaks up a little bit and it broke my heart a little bit but just one of those things and for me, that really, that really, that really impacted me. I didn't like doing it, but a lot of people don't know any different, and are coming along and just hammering out tunes as loud as they can. And I know when I talked, I touched on this with you in the past. You said you you made the correct observation. You were like, yeah, well, you know, when I play your tunes, I do have to bump them up a bit because they're not in line with what everyone else is doing. And I've kind of taken a sort of different stance on it recently, and I've been mastering stuff a little bit louder, but I still don't feel really comfortable doing it, knowing that I'm essentially just doing it for that really tiny cross-section of the market 
is still even fucking buying mp3s because most people aren't most people are going i'm going to go and stream that so it's kind of counterintuitive to then cater the tracks for the djs but as a producer and artist you have to if you want to get those plays it's such a just the whole the whole discussion point is such a massive clusterfuck of different offshoots and reasons and, and things that need to be discussed you know what i mean but like it's just I don't know. I thought I thought it was worth raising. It's not specific to garage by any means. I'm not claiming it's only in garage because fuck me, drum and bass is so loud now. And I, for years, like drum and bass has really been maxing it to the limit. I mean, I obviously I pinpointed the Skrillex there as the poster child for the really brickwall limited tracks. But you know, you could you could make the same argument for a lot of the drum and bass that even preceded him. Really, there's been a lot of really loud drum and bass. It crosses over into tech house and bass house. It's it's everywhere now. I just don't like it. I'm not happy about it. And that's my grumble for the month. So, so, so you've said a lot there, a lot. Um, I don't even know how to unpick it all because you've just, yeah, you said a lot. Uh, it's it's funny. So, no, don't be sorry at all. Um, so it's funny. So you mentioned about um, drum and bass. So it's weird. I went to school with a guy who makes drum and bass who I think he's done quite well for himself. He, he's called Inside Info. Um, we're not like best mates by any means like i haven't spoke to him for donkey's years um but i heard one of his tunes uh called skyhook on a mix such a fucking wickedly savage uh drum and bass tune and, and at a time um i kind of reconnected with him a bit and i was producing with a guy called muradib when we was doing the orpheus stuff and he he was speaking to him as well to try and get some tips because obviously he's had all this success and it's like you know we're trying to put tunes out and we're trying to make sure that they sound at a level that they need to for the rest for everyone else and and be successful and what advice could would you have um for mixing down and literally the first thing he just said was it needs to be as loud as fucking possible that was like his first guidance and this is a guy that's like he's smashing it like I remember when I Googled him, I found a forum and someone had just pirated all of his tunes. Like, if that's not a measure of success, um, I don't yeah, know what yeah, it is, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, it's, to take the technical parts out of it, it, it as a DJ, um, when I hear quiet tunes versus loud tunes, a lot of the time I do kind of feel like, no, they, they this is wrong. Like, I know where I expect my gain knob to be. And if it goes past that, then it feels like that whoever's mixed that down hasn't done what everyone else is doing. And obviously there is no right and wrong with this stuff. It's completely subjective. But yeah. I almost feel like, well, that guy must not know what he's doing because everyone else is doing it differently. And obviously we know that's not true with you at all. But what you start to get then, if I've got that mentality of this guy's a newcomer so he doesn't know how to make his tunes um, be loud, and then you as a veteran are sending out your music and they might not have heard of you before, they may listen to it when it's quiet and go, oh, this guy don't know what he's doing. He can't even yeah. make it loud. Um, yeah. it's, it's a, and, it, and like when you play the old school, I know that I will bump the treble and the mids up every time and then crank the gain and that will sound in my ears how I want it to sound in the mix. Um, when I'm playing most tunes yeah. that I buy, I'll keep the all of the EQs like at flat, like at zero, because I want to hear them the way that the the artist intended, you know. And it would have to be mm. really like awfully done, like like a horrible mix down or washed out, or there's too much tops on it that I'll I'll know it sounds wrong and I want to I'll start to fuck with it. Um, but generally, yeah. I know that I want to have it all as it sounds as it's come out of the studio. It's just, but, say, so, the, so I do think the old the old school mix downs definitely are different to how they are now, and I will completely get why you'd um, uh, reference uh, Sincere for, for, for Jazz Step FM, because it, it completely makes sense. Um, but I, I think 
to your point of different speakers and the the way that it sounds on different speakers. I mean, I've sat in studios before where the where guys would reference their tunes, and they wouldn't just reference another garage tune. They'd have like, you know, a random pop song like Christina Aguilera in there. Um, and then a, a banging uh, garage tune, and then a drum and bass tune, and then the tune they're making. And they reference all of them next to each other on their big speakers, and then they'd get the shittest speaker they've got in the room and do the yeah, same yeah. reference again. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously to try and get it all at the same level. And I think it's that test, isn't it? When you come out the studio, the first thing you want to do is, how's this sound in the car? Um, it's, it's trying yeah. to do that without having to go through the effort of bouncing it down every time. That test is legit. <laughs> but yeah, I, do you know what's yeah. interesting? Interesting you say that, because Baker flagged um, a VST with me, the name of which escaped me, which is really shit, because it would be handy to... Let's see if I can find it. I, I, I've definitely got a message here from him somewhere. He's using this 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 uh, plug-in that you put on the master uh, bus of your, your mixer, and you can apparently, I've not used it, so I'm just going on what he mentioned to me. Apparently, you can switch between different setups and it will somewhat, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be the same as if you bounce it, go and listen to it in the car, get another pair of speakers to plug in. But it emulates that kind of effect so you can check your mix down across a range of different speakers, uh, which is probably long overdue and, and, and a great tool. I might have to have a look into getting hold of it, actually, because it would definitely, I would argue, it would definitely be handy. Uh, I must have... Bear with me saying I'm going to find it because we've probably got people who are nerds like me listening in going, I'll be interested to know what that is. I'm going to, I might come back on it if I can find yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it sounds like a good tool for, for a producer. Um, the other weird yeah. one that you're talking about, how you knock it down for Spotify, but then Ned knock it down for you. It's like, you know, it's not because you're, you're obviously knocking where it is at peak, right? So like, if you're trying to get every part of the tune up as loud as possible, when it gets knocked down, that's all going to be loud to the standard where it's been limited to, whereas your tune, if you've mastered it at that point, then it's not going to be still hitting as loud as what those other tunes that have been knocked down, if you know what I mean. So you may still be kind yeah, of in the will. same realm. But... It will, it will, because the, the algorithm the algorithm and the, and the LUFS reading, it isn't like peaks. It doesn't work based on peaks. I mean, obviously, there is an element of it where you obviously you can't have stuff clip in and you would generally aim... like You know, you've got like the, the mastered for Apple. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but like there is a series of master houses and they're very selective. There are certain mastering houses that you can go to where they will master your track for you and they will give you the option to master it specifically for Apple. And then it will go on to Apple with a little logo that says, you know, mastered for Apple. So it's like at an optimum level. Um, I don't know anybody who does that. I think it's more more the type of thing that majors do because obviously they've got the money to, to do that. And, and it depends how fast you are about following an Apple, or, you know, horses for courses and all that. Um, but in essence, no, what, you, what you're talking about is like, um, I don't want to get too fucking technical with it because we could sit here and just gas about that all day. But it's it's not just based on peaks. It's, it's the average level, in essence, of of how a track hits. So the, the example that and I talked about this with MJ Cole last time, so I'm going back a while now. Um, and he used, it was one of the Kendrick Lamar albums as, as an example. It was not the most recent Kendrick Lamar album. I think it was the one before that. And the mastering engineer, so they'd done the mastering, but like usually most mastering engineers will leave the limit into the very last stage. I know when I used to do a lot of work at Ketridge, he would leave the limiter to, to, to the very last thing he did. So he would do all of everything with his exciter and stereo imaging and anything else that he was doing to get the track sound nice and rounded. Um, and I had a really, obviously, I, Stu's a good mate of mine, so obviously I had a good working relationship with him. And actually I always used to get him to do me two versions. So I would have a track that I could put 
on the download sites, which was limited quite heavily, which was loud as fuck, which would compete. So if you get my album 27 months, if you buy the deluxe version off of Beatport or off of Bandcamp, please go and do that if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's quite loud. And, and, and Stu was a brilliant mastering engineer, so it's mastered brilliantly. But if you then go onto Spotify and stream that very same album, the masters are exactly the same. They just aren't limited in the same way. Do you know what I mean? It's been done in a way that actually that algorithm that Spotify has got built into it doesn't have to do anything because it just goes, right, this is a perfect level. So you're going to get, you're going to listen to that and you're going to hear it as I wanted it to be. And then you're going to have a tune by Skrillex, which is a minus five luffs, which all the Spotify algorithm has done is turn it down massively. And it'll be the same volume. Mm. It will just sound very sterile um, and, 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 arguably nasty next to a relatively organic natural sounding recording that's the point i'm getting at that's that's what really jars me personally and i know i'm an audiophile and i'm a fucking nerd so most people don't even give a shit most people wouldn't even notice this it just it seems kind of crazy to me and i had a conversation with one of the djs that came back to me and was just like it was on sweet love oh yeah this is brilliant i love it uh, it's really quiet it's a pre-master and i went well no actually it's the master but brendan like the track was brendan mills right Brendan's got like 2 million followers on Spotify. So I, we knew when we recorded that, that the vast, vast, vast majority of people that were going to consume that track were going to do it via Spotify. So it was counterintuitive to then go and master the shit out of it for the 10 people that will buy it off of Beatport, knowing that everybody else that's going to hear it on Spotify would then be hearing a bastardized version of it when they could just have it exactly as it should sound. Does that make sense? I don't know. I don't know if I'm making sense. That, obviously no, makes I, sense to me, I, 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 I get what you're saying, and it's, it's like, but I think a lot of it's taste, and I think if your ears as finely tuned as your ears, you, you're going to be offended by it. I don't know why you, <laughs> why you don't focus on tidal. Like, surely tidal should be the main place you're distributing. If you're so hell bent on having quality, because nobody fucking uses it. Mate. <laughs> I don't know anybody that uses tidal. Let's, let's be honest. Like, I'd love to. I'd love to. They, they would pay me slightly more than Spotify do as well. But like, I don't know anybody that uses tidal. Everyone I know has got a. You know, most people that I know have got a free Spotify account. Maybe one in ten has one that they pay for. Um, you know, I mean, this is a that that whole thing is is a, is a conversation we've had to death. <laughs> Probably don't need to touch on that again. But yeah, it's. Um, I mean, even Tidal would be the same. Like they're not at the same level. There, there is a website, and I was looking at it. Be it, I'm that much of a nerd. There is a website, and it lists all of the the the, the optimum level for all of those different services, and they all have a Luffs reading that is considerably below. What everybody in garage is mastering to mm. so every like just about everybody that's mastered like you go through that beatport top 10 all those singles are loud as fuck and and you know if that's what you're going for great um but though people aren't hearing them at that volume when they listen back on spotify or tidal or deezer they're hearing them turned down and it, it just i don't know i mean obviously like i've read this as a, as a conversation piece just because it's like an interesting one there's a lot of levels to it i'm not expecting it to fucking change everyone in garage's mind and for everyone to start producing and mixing things and mastering them slightly quieter um but if it if it kind of prompts the thought to a few other people who might not have considered it then good it's kind of achieved its purpose because i feel like it's one of those subjects that's just it's there in the background to be discussed and like I feel like as an artist, as a producer, as an audio engineer, as a real audio file, like I feel almost feel like it's my duty to kind of point that out for anybody who who is in a similar position to me but might maybe not have, have kind of picked up on it. Just I don't know, it just seems crazy to me. It seems crazy to me. We're all it, it's ridiculous to me 
that we should be focusing on making the best track we can. And the best track that we can is based on the subjective content of it, right? So it's the musical elements, it's the, the sound design, it's the tomba, it's the texture. It shouldn't be how loud the track is. Do you know what I mean? And I don't disagree with anything you said because, yeah, absolutely, I can understand why someone maybe in your position listens to something that's a bit quieter and goes, oh, this geezer doesn't know what he's doing. The irony being that there's a good chance that that geezer does know what he's doing more so than the people who are just fucking running their entire track through a limiter and compressing the shit out of it. Um, alas, it, it just seems crazy to me that we're that there's too much of a focus on how loud this is and is this loud enough to fit in. But what we should be doing is going, is this track good enough? Does it sound nice? Because I, you know, I would argue that a lot of those. I, I don't want to be negative. I know we always try and push the positive, we, you know, and, and, it, and it's ultimately negative. It breeds negativity. Right? I want to be positive, but there's a lot of music around, and there's even still a lot of music around a garage that like it, it's kind of turns me off because it's been. It's too loud. It's been processed in a way that doesn't work for me. Alas, I understand that obviously it's working for more people that are buying it. So I get that there's kind of a trade-off there. I just feel like we could be a bit. We could. There's probably a middle ground to be had, and maybe maybe things will balance out in time. Maybe there will be enough nerds like me that will come along and start trying to push the envelope back the other way. Maybe things will just get louder and louder. Maybe it will just end up being a fucking big block of white noise. I mean, look, look, <laughs> Rob. In terms of like with intelligence, right? You know, you've got like an upper echelon of like five percent let's say for argument's sake you got a lower echelon of really heavily uh stupid people down in the lower five percent and then everyone else is in the middle right and that is your general market now i'm talking about intelligence there that can be translated to musical taste and musical interpretation there's only going to be a small fraction of people that are um noticing the nuance that you you're noticing and I th I think that you are doing yourself a disjustice, a disservice by mastering to what you think's right rather than what would perform better. That's just my well, one opinion. Could argue, one could argue, based on what you, you've just said, that as somebody who's kind of aware of the problem where Joe Public might not be, maybe, maybe, and I might be wrong, feel free to disagree, I'm sure you will disagree with me, maybe... <laughs> People like me who are aware of it, who do this full time, who make music and, 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 and try to deliver the best product we can. Maybe it is our responsibility as the people making the music to go, well, hang on a minute, we don't need to be fucking, we don't need to be doing this. Let's all collectively just be sensible about how much compression and limiting we're doing and make music that sounds nice. And even if nobody consciously is aware of it, a few years down the time, maybe Joe Public, who fall in that 90% sweet spot in the middle, will be like, oh, yeah, we stepped in the right direction here. I mean, I, I made the observation earlier, right, that there was a dip in the quality of music around that time when everybody switched from hardware to software and had to kind of relearn how to do it. And, you know, there are certain producers who never kind of made, managed to make that transition successfully. I'm not going to name names, but I've talked to some of them who've kind of said, oh, yeah, you know, when I had my hardware set up and I was triggering my Akai S3000, everything sounded sweet and I could mix it sound really nice. I've never kind of managed to find that sweet spot again. Yeah, so there, there was definitely, there was legitimately a point there where the quality dipped. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. I completely lost my trailer thought. I went off on a fucking tangent. You know what I'm like? But, but in essence, like, it, it kind of took people in my position who were making the music to kind of bump it back up again and, and those 
you know, potentially the Joe public that was buying those recordings that were a bit shit in the middle didn't necessarily appreciate the dip in quality. Do you, know, do you see what I'm getting at? So maybe those same people aren't appreciating what's going on with this whole loudness war. I mean, I don't know. I'm well, not, well I'm mate, say, I hope he doesn't leave you as a starving artist. Either. I hope he doesn't leave you as a starting up starving <laughs> artist. That's all I'm going to say. I've, I've kind, like I said, I've kind of, I've kind of begrudgingly backtracked and, and recent releases that I've done have been a bit louder just to kind of fall in line but I just love doing it and that's why I wanted to sit here like a miserable middle-aged git and moan about it so thank you for humoring me with your no no it's say not- it's it's good I love I love talking about things where we've got a complete difference of opinion on it so you know especially when you know all the technical shit on it and I know what my heart says and then that's it's kind yeah, of I a, get it brain versus I feeling get it from your perspective as i do get it from your perspective as a consumer that it's a pain in the ass to be presented with something which is out of kilter with the other stuff that you've got i do get that i don't know i just um yeah i don't know i just hope that the it's a pity you know you know when we talked before and you kind of mentioned the uk garage committee and a kind of outlawing and blacklisting certain people because if we could have like a uk garage committee that addressed these issues and meant right everybody <laughs> from this point forward we're mastering to minus 11 12 whatever the, the rate would be that would be nice uh appreciate that. i'd, I'd put you in charge of that rob for sure i'm just going to oh, flag we're about five minutes off of two hours mate we need to we need to get into the feedback i think on. I've got some feedback. I've, I've noted down the feedback. I may have missed one or two bits because there was definitely more than this, but I think I cherry-picked some of the ones that made me laugh. Uh, Zeljion, you picked out the, the Venezuelan duos. I can't remember what the track was called last time, but it was it was brilliant, and I had conversations with several people about it because everyone that listened to it seemed to enjoy it. Um, <laughs> they they responded on our YouTube channel. said, so cool to have been featured on this show. Thanks very much, Mr. Brains and Mr. Phonetics, for your genuine and funny opinions. I'm assuming they're referring, referring to your comment about them being born for Instagram. Then. <laughs> uh, I'll be hitting your SoundCloud direct messages to clear some things up if you don't mind. I don't know about you, I never got a message on SoundCloud. So Zeljion, if you are listening, do give us a shout because... We applaud the interaction. They, they didn't good. slide into my DMs. Their DMs were probably uh, flooded yeah. with, you know, young women fawning after them. So, <laughs> um, Why do you say that? I never, I, I seldom check my DMs on SoundCloud, to be fair. I, I seldom log into SoundCloud. I really should be better at it. Uh, next piece of feedback. Are we happy to just jump on? I know yeah, yeah, yeah. Please crack on, mate. Crack on. He said, another great episode, guys. Nice to have a garage podcast. Lots of nice track recommendations in there, too. Thank you, Richie P. You're almost welcome for the recommendations. Uh, top fellow. If you're not following Richie P on YouTube, highly recommended. And not just because he did a, a recent Best of Phonetics mix, although <laughs> that does um, add a tick in the box for him. Uh, Baker left us a, a comment on the uh, YouTube channel. Another epic show, lads. Thank you again so, so much for your support and comments. You're welcome, mate. Uh, spot on with EP comments on Warms In Brains. Uh, it's definitely a mellow one. Thank you for the feedback session and reading my comment. So happy to contribute to the show in some way. And we love that. Get involved. Do you know what I mean? I, th- I feel we've got a number of listeners that don't get involved. Please do get involved. It's, it's always good uh, conversation prompts for us. For the levels we're getting, this sort of engagement is good. Um, thank you yeah. to everyone that listens. appreciate um, you taking the time to get this far. And thank you, Brock UK, for leaving my favourite comment of, of last month, which was simply three words, Venezuelan beaver garage. <laughs> uh, I don't think that need, needs to say anything else. It's just great. It did tickle me when I saw that. Well, I don't know what they put in the water up in Runcorn, um, but, but, <laughs> but I, I love you for it. Davey Donkdown, a.k.a. Brock UK, um, legend, hold tight moron. Um, so, if you want to get in touch with us, hit us on any of the channels, um, be it on the YouTubes, on the SoundClouds, just drop us a comment, we'll read it. Also, you can go old school, 
rather than carry a pigeon, you can send us an email, feedback at intheukgarage.com. We read every word, and uh, we may read you out here on the show. If you do have a carrier pigeon, I'd love to receive a message by carrier pigeon. Just throwing that out there now. <laughs> Your dog would have it, mate. That's why you don't want that. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yes, you would. Don't even, don't even start. <laughs> oh, we made it, though. We made it all the way there. Um, it's been great chatting to you, mate. As always, mate. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't even touch on the fact that we went to the House and Garage Orchestra. Oh, my God. That. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was probably a conversation piece. Maybe we'll talk about that in the gas in bit next month. I mean, that could have been a whole thing, yeah. It was so long ago now. Yeah. Um, Lifford, my days, that guy raised the roof. It was uh, so much respect for him yeah. after that. So much respect Do for you him. Know, I, I, was, I was epically impressed with Shelley Nelson as well. I thought she absolutely smashed it. I know we had a conversation on the day when we were there, didn't, didn't we? But like, something in your eyes, like, it sounded like the record. Could have been playing the record, to be fair. Maybe they had a acapella. No, she, she killed it. She, she did great. Um, yeah, interesting one. Oh, well, we'll have to wrap it up there, though, mate. Um, say, as always, just great talking to you. Great catching up. Um, and I guess, yeah, so I'll see you next time. Indeed, mate. We should do it more often and, and not eight weeks apart next time. <laughs> <laughs> then we won't have quite so many tunes to pick from. Apologies to anybody who produced a corker that didn't get a mention this month. Uh, we'll make it up to you down the line. For sure. All right. Well, I guess we'll see you next time. Big ups, boss. Indeed, mate. Big up to you. Big up everyone <laughs> listening. Shout out and uh, take care. Take it easy. You get me? In the garage. Fanatic and brains.